Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us as we explore what is darkness to light. Easter is a time of renewal and rebirth where we reflect on the teachings of Jesus and the ultimate act of love that he showed us on the cross. Through his resurrection, we are given the gift of eternal life and the promise of forgiveness. We pray this message brings hope, redemption, and faith. This reading comes from Luke 22, verse 54 to 62. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, to kick up our time together this afternoon, why don't we just pray? Lord, we ask now that as we're so aware of your presence in this room, great God, that you would actually do more and increase increase your presence, Lord. Jesus, we ask that you would walk into this room and be with us right now through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. We love, Lord, that you're already here. We love that we're singing about you. So, great God, we would ask that you would take preeminence in our gathering this afternoon, that you would be Lord above all, that we would have the good shepherd, not only that we would hear about you, Lord, but we would sense your presence next to us. That's what we're asking, Lord. Good shepherd, we want your presence to emanate in this room and circle us and meet us and encounter us where we are, Lord. We do not want to talk about you like you are not here, Lord. We want to encounter you and meet you. So, Lord, in that way, we pray in line with the psalmist of Psalm 119, and we ask this, open our eyes so that we may behold wondrous things from your law. We pray that every week, Lord, but we pray it even more so this afternoon as we learn about you, Jesus. We take a seat down, Lord, and lift our eyes up to you to behold you in your sanctuary in this moment. And all God's people said? Amen, amen. amen. Oh, Aaron, we fixed it well. Does anyone want to put a level on this pulpit? Amazing. Well, friends, welcome to Good Friday. If you've picked this day as the day to come, as your first day of church, I just want to say a very warm welcome. You picked a great day to come. And we don't say that tokenistically or, or, or in, a, in a shallow sense. We really mean that. Each of us here have started our journey with Jesus at one step along the way, and Good Friday is a beautiful time to start that. Good Friday is this beautiful moment in the Christian calendar where it's both paradoxical but also non-dual. And what do I mean by that? I mean this. 
On the one hand, Good Friday is dark. We revel in a bit of the loneliness that Christ went through. We take a moment to feel the pain of which his heart experienced. We take a moment to wallow in the darkness and notice it. And there's something healthy in our generation about taking a moment to pause, to be present, to hold space for that which is the reality that we experience in our lives. That's on the one hand. The other hand, on the other hand, Good Friday, there's light, there's joy. On the other side of the grave, there's a resurrection. But the point today is that we would actually be a people who sit in the middle space, that we would sit right there. We wouldn't want to rush on here. We wouldn't want to leave this place, but we'd sit there. So tonight, my pastoral encouragement to us is just sit there. Don't move on. Don't try and get happy. I believe that the Lord's presence is here very powerfully tonight. I believe the good shepherd's in the room and he wants to do something to your heart tonight. Do you know that? Do you know that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword? It has an ability and anointing to cut deep into our soul, to cut deep into our lives, and to meet you and I at where we are. I want to be honest with you, I've had a hard day today. There's been tears, there's been stuff in my life which happens, yet I'm here. And it's the cross of Jesus which allows me to come and be in front of you and to show my complete self. As Brene Brown says, to not feel the need to guard up, but to actually lean in. That's what the cross does. I want to invite you for a second to just have a mental exercise of you actually leaning over the line. Don't just make this something that you hear. Let this resonate into the very being of who you are. Let this come into your heart. This is Good Friday. One of the things that I've come to realize, which has been quite amazing actually, coming from the north side of Brisbane where on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings, people are mowing. I come into the city and everyone's still hustling. The city's a place of hustling. When I come into work on the train, I go to Petrie Station, which is this train station on the north side of Brisbane. My brother James Allen knows it well. None of you do, but anyway. <laughs> Petrie Station, right? It's kind of this like lower to middle socioeconomic place. Right? It's a suburb. And as I'm here, people are just relaxing, they're having a cup of tea. The moment that I get to Central Station, it's like, it's on. It's like everyone's had three Vs, two bulls, and like everyone's hustling. And like, this, uh, there's a meme that I shared the other day where I'm trying to navigate my way through Central Station, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm like this with everyone, and people are walking into me, and I'm like, can we slow down? Why are we so busy? <laughs> Was that my, oh no. There's a Kaya, love you, man. And we, in the city, we live in a, we, we work and we come here on a Sunday afternoon in a beautiful place of heritage, of history. Look at this building that we're in. I want to ask you the question, have you ever took a mo taken a moment to behold that which is around you right now? That which is on the wall. People of generations gone by with really strange names. There's a story about them. Yet we just cruise on in the city. We just keep, we keep going on. We keep going on. However, in doing so, we miss the very things which can transform our hearts. There's a history in Brisbane City which, if you took the time to learn, would captivate your heart. And for those of you who call New Life Brisbane home, learn the history of this city. It would transform your heart. And what we find here is this, a tension between darkness and light is a consistent theme that we face as humans. It's a very consistent theme. We see it in our lives. We see it in the Word of God. But the point's this, that we long for the light, the joy, and the peace, and we do this ever so more today. But we cannot fully appreciate the light until we spend time in the darkness. 
That's the point we're getting at. Let me share a personal story about this, and you're like, oh, here he goes. Here's a story. I'm going to take you back 13 years. All right, I'm 18 years old, just turned 18. I've been dating my now wife, but girlfriend at the time, Casey, for about a year. And those of you who are in an early relationship, you're like, I'm a year in, all right? You get to that stage where you're in, and you're like, I just love you so much. I'm just yours. And, and, and you get this sense in which you're like, okay, I need to up my game now in the dating scene. All right? You start over here, you're like, you want to go to Macca's, you want to go to like Corbett, you want to go to these little places and just hang out. And then suddenly there's a moment in time where you've been dating for a year. And you're like, man, I need to up my game. So I spent time on Google, as every very amazing boyfriend does, in about 2010 or 11 or whatever it was. And I thought, what am I going to do? And it's this. I thought, I'm going to book me and my girlfriend a hot air balloon ride. All right? It's like I didn't have a license at the time. I was full-time at Bible college. I was really kicking goals. I don't know why Casey's dad let me marry her. But there I was. I'm like, all right, that's what we're going to do. So I said, babe, I'm going to take you somewhere. You need to drive, though, because I don't have a license. But I, can you come with me down the coast? She's like, yeah, what time? I'm like, 4 a.m. She's like, 4 a.m.? I was like, yeah, 4 a.m. She's like, all right. It's like, are you abducting me? It's like that weird moment. It's like you think you know someone in that year until someone presents that they're going to pick you up at 3 a.m. It's like, Okay. And so anyway, we, we go all the way down the coast, we trek into the coast, and we rock up there, and, and, and we arrive, and there's this hot air balloon that's laid out flat on the ground. And I'm like, oh man, this is a bit of a letdown, and this guy's sitting there like this. And I was like, hey brother, like, I've just spent 450 bucks here, I'm here to like, see the hot air balloon ride, and like, go up and see this thing with my girlfriend, and he's like, yeah, 15 minutes, brother, and you can help me set it up. <laughs> and, and I just looked at him, I'm like, help you set it up? This thing cost me, this experience has cost me $800, and you're asking me to help you set it up. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then anyway, 15 minutes later, Casey and I, they're like pumping this thing up, and I'm like, I'm like oh, I'm so, I thought this was going to be a really good date, and everyone else is like, oh, are you going to propose to her today? I'm like, oh, maybe, but I don't know now. Anyway, and then he's like, all right, brother, get on the end of this thing, and I'm having to stick this pump into this air balloon. And I'm like, what? It's cold. I'm like shaking as this happens. I'm like wondering whether my girlfriend at the time is going to leave me or not. And then, and then we finally get in this balloon. I'm like, all right. So we hop in this big bucket. And you can just see the glimmer of the sun start to come over down the Gold Coast. And you're like, all right, we're getting close. As I'm like feeling my hands just shake. And I'm like, all right, we're getting there. And then we hop in there. He's like, all right, mate, next thing. I'm like, there's more. There's more. He's like, you need to start throwing the stuff over the side, otherwise we're not going to take off. And I'm like, all right. Anyway, long story short, this goes on for another 20 minutes. But 20 minutes in, something begins to change and something begins to shift. The hot air balloon is rising now. We're there. We're getting lifted up, lifted up, lifted up. And then there comes this particular moment where we begin to see the sun. We begin to see the light begin to kind of just serenade us and wash over us. And the next minute, we're like three kilometers high in the air. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like, I'm like, do you like this, babe? She's like, this is so lovely. And we're, and we're in love again. Right? I won't tell the other side of that story as we nearly died. <laughs> but I'll, you can ask me that story later. The point's this, right? We can't appreciate the beauty of a sunrise if we don't start in the darkness. I'll tell you what, if I had rocked up there and just gone straight into this hot air balloon and, gone, and had been taken up, I wouldn't have thought it was amazing. But we'd wrestled. We'd done something. We'd taken time to help set this thing up. And the big point that I want to get at is this. We cannot appreciate the victory of Easter without journeying through the darkness of Good Friday. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's really good. We can't, you can't go straight to there. 
The main point I want to make tonight is this. If we do not sit entirely with the darkness, we deprive ourselves of the light. If we just rush on to Resurrection Sunday, we deprive ourselves of the light. The key thing that I want us to see here is this. We need to see Jesus not only as a divine being, but also in his humanity. And why is that? Because when we see him in his humanity, we're going to see ourselves in the story. And something's going to be encouraged in our hearts, not in that like we are, Jesus is a mirror of us, but this, that it doesn't matter what I go through, my king has been there, and on the other side of the grave, there's a resurrection, but it starts with the grave. And Jesus leads onto that grave, and he's going to show us something tonight about his humanity. And some of my like evangelical brothers and sisters of whom I'm one are like, is he saying Jesus isn't God? No. But he's both and. You know, we want to go straight to the cheat sheet of relating to Jesus. Like, he's God. I praise you in the sanctuary. And then we're like, are you like me? The answer is yes. In some ways, he is like you and I. The Bible tells us he was a man that was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. That's the key difference between us and him. He was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. So therefore, we do not serve a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness and with our struggles and with our hurt, because he's been through them. So the story of Good Friday is literally this. You and I can serve a God who is like us by way of experience, but who supersedes us by way of godliness. That's, it's, it's a beautiful truth. No other religion does that. There's so many spaces between us and the gods. Christianity bridges the gap with a man called Jesus. And if it's your first night tonight, welcome. What I'm going to do for the next 15 to 20 minutes, because I know there's kids here, is do this one thing. Tell you about Jesus. So that when you come back on on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, you're going to scream with joy. Because you'll know that the God that you serve has been through everything that you can be through in your life. He's come out the other side, and now he's inviting you into a place. That sound good? All right. So, the big idea is this. Grasping his humanity leads us to experiencing his divinity. So what I want to do is this. Two things. I want to delve deeply into two different ways that Jesus reveals his humanity. Two distinct ways. Anguish and betrayal. Has anyone in here felt anguish before or felt betrayed before? Just me. Trauma life. It's why I was a social worker. It's like just project, projecting that trauma. So the first thing is this: Jesus, in his humanity, experiences anguish. Luke, Luke twenty-two thirty-nine to forty-four says this: Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, "Pray that you will not fall into temptation." He withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down, and prayed, "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me." I don't know about you, but that's anguish. Take this cup from me. But he goes on to say, yet not my will, but yours be done. Right, in the lead up to this scripture, Jesus has just spent a significant amount of time doing the awesome stuff, the stuff that we love. He's healing the sick, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, demons are getting cast out of people. All those power encounters that when we witness, we're like, woo! My Pentecostal brothers and sisters are like, we love that stuff. It's like, that's Jesus. We're like, come on. And then we get to this moment. In the Gospels, each of the Gospels kind of, kind of bring Jesus' earthly ministry to this moment where then we're met with this wall. Jesus experiences the wall. And the wall is this, anguish in his heart. God's now going to kind of, God the Father's going to flick the switch in what he's calling Jesus to do now. And Jesus now is going to be moving closer and closer to the cross. 
And on the journey to here, he experiences anguish. Anguish. And this is a revelation moment for Jesus. He knows that the world and the enemy will want to rip the disciples from his hand. But Jesus, the pastor, says this, I'm praying for you. I'm going to go and experience some anguish. I'm going to go and be betrayed, but I'm praying for you. He knows that life will be hard for them. He asks God if he, if God the Father can sort this mess out any other way. He's like, Lord, take this cup from me. What does he mean there? He means help me not need to go to the cross. Take this cup from me. And then something kicks in, and Jesus says, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus sits in this discomfort. So the invitation for us right now is sit in this discomfort. What do you do with the God-man who has this high calling upon his life, starts doing miracles, healing the sick, and then gets brought to a moment where he starts to realize that he is going to go on the cross and die? What do you do with that? Jesus sits in his discomfort. What this passage does is that it emphasizes the human side of Jesus. Do you see that? Anguish. He feels lost, yet he's still God. He shows his emotional distress, and he shows his willingness to endure suffering and sacrifice, because Jesus knows this, before there's a resurrection, there's a grave. And I must go to the grave before I can give that resurrection life to my disciples and to all people who will follow. But he feels that. We need to feel that tonight. Jesus agonizes about that which is before him, anguish. And through doing that, God invites him deeper into the purposes of his life. Purpose, deeper into the purposes of his life. And it is painful. And my question for you tonight is, have you ever been brought to a place of anguish? It's very easy to come into this place that we do called church on a Sunday gathering and sit here in front of each other and give each other the holy wave and like, hey, brother, how you going? Good, brother. I want to go deeper than that tonight. Have you experienced anguish? Have you experienced betrayal? Have you felt something of that in your heart? Because if you have, you're actually in good company. Because when we get up there and we sing worship songs, when we pray and when we worship, we're not doing that based on the glory days. We're doing that based on the fact that Jesus died for us. So that it doesn't matter what sin comes into my life, where God takes me, what happens to me, I'm safe and secure in Him. We need to, the church needs to come back to the spirit of adoption. Come back and be his beloved. See him for who he is. Behold him on the throne, but understand him in his weakness. And bridge the gap. Faith is the gap. And God's calling some of you into this tonight. In 2010, you might remember Chile. I remember being, I think I was in, no, I was in uni then. Old, getting old. And I remember, like, it was this moment, right? I'm, like, watching the news, all right? I won't tell you what channel of news that I was watching, because I'm disgusted in myself. But I was watching Channel 9, I mean, sorry. And as I was watching the news, this story came on, right? Chile, 33 miners get stuck inside a mine. You might remember it. Massive moment. It's like coverage is just going on and on and on about this thing. A year later, I remember watching a different channel, and there being an interview there, and, and someone asked these miners, what was the feeling that you felt while you were in there? Like, were you anxious? Did you miss your family? Were you upset? Were you lonely? No, they said anguish. Anguish is one of the words that one of these chilly people said. Anguish. 
Anguish is the feeling where all the walls of your life, everything's caving in on you, and you're trying to scuffle out, but you can't get there. Jesus felt anguish, but he persisted in his anguish. Every moment in the hole when we feel anguish, it feels like an eternity. This wasn't a fleeting moment for Jesus. We know that when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, it's another moment where Jesus feels this anguish. This, his heart just weeps. It's a deep, dark night of the soul. Anguish, and Jesus experiences it, yet he remains in the mission. Through the agony, Jesus holds on, and he prays this, Father, take this pain from me, but not my will, but yours. This image of Jesus sweating blood, right? It's extreme emotional distress and anxiety, extreme anguish. And again, my question for us is, what do you do in a moment of anguish? Because there's kind of two, what, two things you can do with that. The first is this. You can let it consume your whole being. All right, if I'm honest, that's me. Right, I get stuck in these moments, and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I get so insular, and the, the anguish of my heart just begins to encapsulate me so much that I feel stuck. The second is this. This is what Jesus does. You can let it point you to the future vision of what God has for your life. I'm scared that no one said amen to that point. You can let it point you to the future vision of what God has for your life, and that's what Jesus did. It carried him along. Anguish carried him along. Because Jesus again knew that on the other side of death, there is a resurrection coming, and he partnered with the Father in that. So what is anguish then for Jesus? Anguish is a gateway to intimacy. Anguish is a gateway to intimacy. You want intimacy in your life? Feel anguish. You want, to, you want to see your friends come to know Jesus? Get on your knees and pray for them and get baptized, as David Wilkinson said, in anguish. It's one of the great gifts that God wants to give us, but it's one of the things that we don't lean into enough is anguish, anguish. So look to Jesus. Fall in love with his loving and empathetic gaze. Imagine that there is another in the fire standing next to you because that's what got Jesus through. The Father was with him. The Spirit was within him. So anguish carries him on. Second point is this. I want to show you Jesus and his humanity experiences betrayal. This is when my boy Peter comes on the scene. And I love this dude because if I could rename myself from like a scriptural perspective, it would be Peter. Peter. Luke 22 says this. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest, Peter followed at a distance. What I love about this is when I think about Peter, I get this image in my mind. So Jesus is getting, he's, he's getting taken, right? Someone's taking him on. Peter's following him, following behind, following behind. And I just get that image of a mind of like Hamish and Andy in like 2009, the ghosting. Remember ghosting? It's just like Peter's there like, like just, I don't know, that's funnier in my mind than it clearly is. In, that's, maybe that's how big my brain is. But I, he's like, he's, he's the king of ghosting, all right? That's the point. Anyway, so what happens is that Peter gets taken, um, Peter follows Jesus, and he's kind of leading from behind. And Jesus gets taken to this moment, and Peter's around this group of people, of whom one is a little girl. And this little girl says to him, she goes, um, this little girl goes and, and, and says, like, I saw you, man. <laughs> like, you know Jesus. And he's like, I don't know him. And it's like, Peter, Peter, what are you doing? And the context of this betrayal is particularly of importance for us to consider. This is why I love Peter. It's like this man carries something of the heart of God, yet he's like the weakest Christian in the world. 
And it's so encouraging for my fickle faith heart. Because in the lead up to this, Jesus is spending much time with Peter. He's discipling Peter. Peter's one of the 12. Peter's, Peter goes, Jesus goes, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter goes, I will never deny you. And then the next scene comes across, and Jesus is like, hey, Peter, I'm praying for you, buddy. And he's like, what are you praying for me for? He's like, because you're going to deny me. And he's like, I won't deny you. He's like, you will. Get behind me, Satan. It's like, this is Peter. He's this fascinating guy. This is what happens sometimes when we are zealous for the Lord and we're not aware of our weaknesses. We don't realize that we need the prayers of God's people to carry our hearts along. Janet Hagberg, I nerd out about this person, but she writes a book, The Critical Journey. She goes through six stages of faith. The first, three, the first stage of faith is recognizing God. The second stage of faith is the life of discipleship. The third stage of faith is the service of God. Some of you in this room are in the first three stages of faith. You want to move into more intimacy with God. And you know what God's saying? is to get over yourself. There's some awkward laughs right now. But I feel really convicted to say that. On the other, if you want to experience intimacy, get over yourself. This is what happened with Peter. Don't undervalue yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But just put, your, put yourself in the perspective of Jesus. And when someone goes to pray for you, don't think I'm awesome. It's like, no, no, no. Say, brother, I need those prayers. This is what Peter does. He leads this space well. Jesus then tells Peter that he's praying for him. Jesus has this amazing prophetic insight to the next thing of what Peter will do, will do, which leads us here. Peter denies him three times, then the rooster crows. And we're like, oh, Peter, like, what a naughty Christian. It's like, have you never denied Jesus before? Have you never had moments in your day where you haven't been a faithful witness of Jesus? Because I know I have. The beauty of Peter is this, that on the other side of this, Jesus will then go and he will restore him three times and then he will say, Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. The big point is this, we're just Peter's running around in our lives and Jesus is like, it's okay. You can betray me, you can do all these things, but I'm going to the cross, Peter. Whether you can see that I'm going or not, doesn't matter, Peter, what you conceptualize that I'm taking to the cross, I'm going there, and on the other side of it, something's going to benefit you. This is the beauty of Peter. I love Peter. But look at Jesus' heart quickly. Despite Peter's betrayal, Jesus still loved him and forgave him. And even though Peter had denied Jesus, he was still able to become a leader in the early Christian church. There's this consistent theme of what the Lord is saying to our pastoral team, and it's this. In this coming season, some of you are going to be called into ministry. Some of you are going to have callings in your life, defibbed back to life. The first stage of you doing that is this. Learn to be like Peter. Learn to experience the grace of God that Peter gives Jesus. Learn to take of the unforced rhythms of grace. You're not awesome, but you don't have to be awesome. That's the good news. So, so this is what I want us to see. Jesus came to show that he is both God of the past, he's both God of the present, future, but he's also God of the present. So don't be looking down there for God to redeem you. Don't compare to where you were back there. Be present with God now. Presence. Let the Lord hold space for you. And let yourself feel the betrayal that Jesus experienced. Let yourself feel that you are one of the people that may have done that to him. But on the other side of that, let yourself feel the absolute affection and heartbeat of Abba, which says to you, you are my beloved son and daughter of whom I'm well pleased. Intimacy, 
Jesus loves you. He experienced anguish because of people, betrayal because of people, yet he loves us where we are. Again, some of you need to hear this, that Jesus is the strong one in your relationship. He's the one that's holding you along. We're like, Lord, I've been to Bible college. I've served you. I can speak. I can do worship. I run Bible studies. And he's like, I'm the strong one. I'm the one that's holding you. Just, just feel that, like, there's a weight that should come off of us. What does that weight feel like? It feels like you not needing to be amazing anymore. The beauty, beautiful thing that I see happening in the church right now is there's a whole generation of people who are learning to live like Peter, who are learning to feel this sense that I'm the beloved child of God. doesn't matter what's going on in my life. doesn't matter where I've gone. I will always be loved by God. It's Peter. Peter's good news for our story and our lives. All right. Last point is this. This is a beautiful thing. So we've got... We've got anguish and agony. We've got betrayal. And then the third thing is this. Jesus now offers paradise. He offers paradise to those who oppressed him. Luke 23 says this. A written notice was above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. There's two criminals either side of the cross. Imagine a cross, two mini crosses there. Two other people are beside him. And they say this. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. This is one of the brothers' responses. The other one says this. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I know your past. And I want to land here for a moment, and I want you to picture this. I want you to imagine that you get to the stage of your life, everything's all said and done, you can't work your way to the kingdom anymore, you have no good grace, nothing that you can do to prove anything in front of God, and you're on the cross. And you lock, lock eyes intimately with Jesus. What do you say to him in that moment? If you've just sinned your backside off that prior morning, what do you say to him in that moment? And better still, what does he say to you? What does he say to you in that moment? If you come in front of him and you say, Lord, my marriage is falling apart. My kids don't know Jesus. I'm sick. I'm unwell. I've run away from you for 10 years. I had a secular narrative. What does Jesus say to you? He says, it's fine. Truly, I say to you, all you need to do is believe in me and I will bring you into paradise with me. The other side of this, you will be in paradise with me. And have, is there people here tonight, have you not experienced paradise? What does paradise look like? Paradise looks like intimacy with Jesus. It looks like an experience of heaven in the now as we await the not yet. It looks like a closeness with Jesus. It looks like an ability for you to rest your head on the pillow and not worry about eternity and not worry about the now, but to... Fix your eyes on Jesus. Paradise. Paradise is on offer. So as the band comes up, the thing that I love about this is this. What the cross did is it gave us access to Jesus. And what the two brothers on the cross shows us is that we all have access to Jesus if we want that. 
if you and I want to take of his goodness and lean into his presence and receive from him, Jesus says that you can have that. It's amazing. So my question for us tonight to end is this. Do you want to enter this paradise? Hebrews 4.15 says this. It says, We do not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, Good Friday presents that paradox that I spoke about. So much darkness, so much brokenness, yet so much light that is to come. And there is darkness potentially in your heart tonight, but God knows about it. And just as God's going to go and hang on a, Jesus is going to go and hang on a cross, Jesus hung on the cross and he took on everything that has happened in your life, all the pain. And he didn't take it on to diminish it, but he took it on to restore himself as an intimate partner with him, an intimate person across the journey. So we should not let our agony consume us, but we should instead let us push us towards God. I want to finish with a quote and then I'm going to pray. And it's this. It's by one of my favorite mystics, St. John of the Cross, and he says this. The cross is the blazing fire at which the flame of our love is kindled. But we have to get near enough to it for its sparks to fall on us. I'll read it again. The cross is the blazing fire at which the flame of our love is kindled. But we have to get near enough to it for the sparks to fall on us. Some of you have heard about this Jesus thing for a while. And it's like you can picture in this moment there's a flame, and that flame is God's love. Some of you have come in here being like, is this stuff a whole lot of, a lot of garbage? There's a, there's a flame there that you can't deny. But Jesus' invitation for you and I right now is to come closer to it so that as the sparks touch us, we feel something of the flame of the love of God. Now, I want, why don't you stand with me now? I'm just going to take a moment right now to be still in front of God. We're going to ask the Lord whether there's anything right now that He wants to say to us. And even in this moment, I, I, as I was praying on, on the way here, I got this sense that, that my voice needs to fade out in this next moment. And some of you are going to see something in your mind's eye, which is the Lord communicating to you His love. And He's going to do it in a way that means that you cannot say that it is not of God. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you now. So we, we invite you here, Holy Spirit, to be amongst us. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news of you, Jesus. I just wonder in this moment if there's anyone here who has grown up. Good Friday for you brings you to a moment where you're like, I've done this stuff for years, man. Maybe you're the son or the daughter of a missionary and you feel God's doing something in your life. 
but you're scared about going into the next stage of this. You're scared about what it means again to reignite your faith. What would it mean again for you to be vulnerable in front of God? I just feel inclined by the Spirit to say to you to just trust the Lord in that. Trust the Lord in that. Some of you have such a gifting from God, something that has been given to you in your early years of faith, that God says that He wants to raise up. It's like Ezekiel. God's saying that He wants to speak to those bones and tell them to come alive again. The calling of God to come alive in your heart again. The presence of God to come alive again. Some of you might have gone through breakups and divorces and things like that. And, and Good Friday is a, a moment where that darkness is reflected in, in really experiencing that. But again, God's welling something up from within you in this moment. His presence is beginning to touch your hearts and touch your life. It's the third people in this room. And that I want to pray for now as every eye is shut and every head is bowed. And it's for those of you who don't yet know Jesus. I don't want to go on about this point, but I just want to ask you, like, is there a flame that's becoming bright? Is there a spark that's beginning to touch your heart tonight? And if there is in this moment, can I invite you to just lift your hand while every head is bowed and every heart is open to what God wants to do in this room. Is there anyone here that you want to mark this as a moment to come and to meet Jesus? I'm just going to leave this space open for another moment. Thank you. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, brother. I'm going to pray now, but the host team would love to gift you, those of you who've responded, a Bible. So don't leave this place till we give you a Bible so you can take this book and open it up. And right now the angels in heaven are rejoicing with you, brother, coming to know Jesus. So I invite everyone to pray this after me. Dear Jesus, thank you, Lord, that where there is darkness, there is now light as well. Thank you for the cross which carries away all my sin. It carries away all my shame. And it reveals to me, Lord, your heart for me. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill my heart to overflow with your joy. love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you to those who have responded. What a beautiful moment to mark Good Friday as a day that you start your journey with Jesus. We would love to talk to you after and pray for you. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page.